Hi, it's Carolina. I'm so excited that you could join us on the City Point Redcliffe podcast. We're about to go into a message that I delivered recently, and I hope that it encourages you, it inspires you, and it launches you further in your walk with Jesus. That's my heart for you as you listen. If it does encourage you, why not share it with someone who you think could do with hearing it as well? And subscribe so that you don't miss any of the messages that are uploaded every single week. For now, sit back, enjoy, and I hope that you get blessed. We've got a couple of anchor scriptures this morning, and I want you to know that what I'm going to share with you in the next 30 minutes has definitely taken me more than 30 minutes. This is a a life message, and I can only teach my own experience, my own encounter, my own revelation. And so I pray that your hearts are hungry because I'm never going to get up here and deliver a message just off the cuff or regurgitate someone else's that I've heard on a podcast. Anytime I'm up here, you can believe that this is from the depths of my revelation with Jesus. And um, so two anchor scriptures before we get into it. The first one is in Proverbs 24. Two really direct (laughs) anchor scriptures this morning. The first one, Proverbs 24.10. If you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is too small. If you're having a hard day and you lose the plot, you're not strong enough. Oh, whoa. Jeremiah 12 verse 5 is the second one. If racing against mere men makes you tired, how will you race against horses? So, Anyone ever had a hard time in life? Just me? Anyone ever had a bad day? Anyone had a series of bad days? (laughs) Right. And so I've obviously been in prayer recently about significantly challenging times. And the Lord has brought these two scriptures to me. I'm like, right, okay, well, don't go easy on me, Lord. Carolina, if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is too small. Carolina, if running with mere men, if just the issues of the flesh makes you tired, how on earth are you going to run in the spiritual realms with horses? Okay, Lord. And so the title of my message this morning is Run With Horses. I believe that the Lord would desire that his people could run with horses that his people would not be tired running in the flesh, but they would be able to run in the spirit. And so how to stand strong and how to run fast in the day of adversity. You know, funny story, and um, I I promised (laughs) to conceal their identities because the gentleman in this story wants to maintain his masculine tough identity. Um, But a friend of mine, A friend of mine went into, she started having contractions with her first child. And so they went into emergency for examination. And as she was being examined, he passed out. And they sent him to emergency. So she's upstairs in birth suite getting examined. And he's downstairs in emergency in a bed getting hydrated. Sweetie, oh, darling. And um, anyway, you know, and as they do with first babies, they're like, oh, you'll be right. Go back home. 
You're like, I'm freaking out. I've never done this before. I'm pretty sure I should be in hospital. No, no. Go home and labor some more at home. So they discharged her, and she had to go downstairs and sit in emergency with her husband. He's on a bed. She's on a hard chair sitting behind him. This is a true story. This is one of my friends, okay? I didn't get this off Google yesterday. This actually happened and, um, and it happens often. I've got a midwife going, you'd be surprised. It happens all the time. So she's sitting in a hard chair in labor. He is on a bed. And then breakfast gets delivered to him. <laughs> and he says, well, I don't really want to be discharged until I've had my breakfast. <laughs> Why are you clapping? And so she literally is in labor with her first baby, sitting on a hard hospital chair, watching her husband have breakfast. My dear friends, if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is way too small. Your strength is too small. But you know what? As believers, as followers of Jesus, we tackle our challenges in a different way to the world. We have a spiritual advantage. Can I promise you that? Can I promise you that you and your unsaved work colleague in the face of adversity, there's a big difference between the two of you. Same day, same circumstance, you have an advantage. You have a spiritual advantage. And, you know, the Lord was saying to me and has been saying to me, don't faint in the day of your adversity, Carolina. Don't faint. And I believe he's inviting me into this strength. The good news is it's not in his strength. It's a spiritual advantage. I can't manufacture this or force this or fake this. I tap into something of the spirit. And the Lord's been inviting me, come and be strong. Don't faint in the day of adversity. In fact, if you do it just shows that your strength is too small. He doesn't want us to faint, but he wants us to have big strength. He says, if you faint, your, your strength is too small. So then my prayer is, will God give me big strength? I want big strength. Lord, give me big strength. And I felt the whisper of heaven saying, Caroline, there's something bigger, weightier, broader, the calling on you is bigger than the circumstance you're in right now. You can stand. And so I want us to visit this story in Scripture in 1 Kings 18. And the background here is it's the people of Israel, and they've had numerous kings, and over the progress of time, they've walked away from the Lord, and they've, they've started taking on the traditions of other nations and, and worshipped other gods, and now they're caught in this place where actually the king is so, so evil, King Ahab, and we've got this punk Elijah <laughs> who comes and just confronts Ahab all the time. I love Elijah. I love Elijah. I believe we need some more Elijahs. A lot of people are like, where's the Lord of Elijah? And I'm like, where are the Elijahs of the Lord? Where are those ones who actually will stand in the face and see miracles? 
And so Elijah prophesies drought for three years because he's like, Ahab, you've turned away from the Lord. So there's going to be drought for three years. And the weather actually listens to him. It's amazing. So there's drought, which is a catastrophe in an agricultural society. So all their economics, everything falls apart over these three years. And, um, and we find ourselves here in 1 Kings 18, in the third year of the drought, in verse 1. Later on in the third year of the drought, the Lord said to Elijah, go and present yourself to King Ahab and tell him that I will soon send rain. Tell him that I will soon send rain. That's all Elijah needed was a promise. So Elijah went to appear before Ahab. Verse 17, I love this. And Ahab saw him and exclaimed, is it really you, troublemaker of Israel? How cool to have that reputation, right? Verse 18, I have made no trouble for Israel, Elijah replied. You and your family are the troublemakers. For you have refused to obey the commands of the Lord and you have worshipped the images of Baal instead. Now summon all of Israel to join me on Mount Carmel, along with 450 prophets of Baal and 400 prophets of Asherah. 850 verses 1. Ever felt outnumbered in the spirit? Dear Lord. Verse 20. So Ahab summoned all the people of Israel and the prophets to Mount Carmel. Elijah stood in front of them and said a statement that as your pastor, I say to you, how much longer will you waver, hobbling between two opinions? If the Lord is God, then follow him. But if Baal is God, then follow him. And the people were completely silent. If we're not careful, the culture of the world will silence us. And so then what we see is Elijah challenges them. And he goes, well, let's actually prove once and for all today who is the real God. And he says to these prophets, why don't you set up an altar and offer a sacrifice? And if Baal appears, then Baal's the true God. I'll set up an altar and offer a sacrifice. And if the Lord of Israel turns up, then we'll know he's the Lord. And then he goes, and do you know what? You go first. You go first. He gives them all the preference. And so they build an altar and all day, it says, they're carrying on. They're carrying all day, calling on Baal. They're cutting themselves, they're wailing, they're doing weird like rituals. And Elijah's over here building the altar and he's like, maybe Baal's on a holiday. Maybe he's on the toilet. It actually says that, you need to read your Bible. He's literally mocking them. And they're like carrying on like crazy. Elijah's here building the altar. And you know what I love and I learning from Elijah, I do this now, I make it really hard for God to show off. Because then no one can doubt that it was the Lord. So what he does is he digs a trench around his altar and he goes, pour water over the altar. And they do it. And then he goes, you know what? Do it again. And they do it twice. So much water in a drought. I don't know how that happened. But so much water that it fills the trench and everything is soaked. The sacrifice is soaked. The altar's soaked. There's water everywhere. 
And what took them all day unsuccessfully, Elijah just goes, you know what, God, if you're real, just show yourself to be real. That's all he says. And God turns up, consumes the sacrifice with fire, dries everything up, and everybody's like, that's the true God. And so all the awe then is given to the Lord of Israel, Elijah, because he's no wuss, then goes, well, I need to deal with you guys and just slaughters all of the prophets of Baal. Not a bad day. Not a bad day. Then in verse 41, Elijah says to Ahab, go and get something to eat and drink for I hear, I hear. No, he doesn't. But all he heard was a word from the Lord. I hear in faith a mighty rainstorm coming. And I felt the Lord say to me, Carolina, there's rain coming if you just stay in it. There's rain coming if you just stay in it. So verse 42, Ahab went to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed to the top of Mount Carmel, bowed low to the ground and prayed with his face between his knees. Then he said to his servant, go and look out towards the sea. And the servant went and looked and returned to Elijah and said, I don't see anything. Elijah doesn't take no for an answer. Can I tell you that's a spiritual tactic? Don't take no for an answer. He goes, you didn't see anything? Go again comes back, didn't see anything. Go again, comes back, didn't see anything. Go again, because I've heard. Because I have heard, and you're going to keep going until it manifests. Seven times the servant goes, and eventually he comes back and he goes, you know what, Elijah, there's a cloud the size of a man's hand. I have a whole message around that. I don't have time for it this morning. The cloud the size of a man's hand. And so Elijah goes, that's all I need. Hurry, tell Ahab, verse 44 somewhere, tell Ahab, climb into your chariot, go back home. If you don't hurry, the rain will stop you. It's the size of a man's hand. And he's saying, if you don't go, you're going to be washed out. That's faith. That's obedience. As soon And soon the sky was black with clouds, And a heavy wind brought a terrific rainstorm, and Ahab quickly left for Jezreel. Wish I could tell you about Jezreel. Then the Lord gave special strength to Elijah. He tucked his cloak into his belt. Put a pin in that. He tucked his cloak into his belt and ran ahead of Ahab's chariot all the way to the entrance of Jezreel. Two thoughts for you this morning on how to stand strong and how to run fast in the face of opposition. First one, standing strong. Do you know good things can come of adversity if we allow it? Do you believe it? The Lord says to us, I'll work all things together for good. And so adversity can actually bring about good things if we allow it. The Psalms were written in the face of adversity. Most of the New Testament was written from the belly of a prison. Adverse situations can bring about good if we allow them. John Maxwell says, when leaders of good character face problems, I love that clarification, leaders of good character, which means there are some leaders of poor character, but when leaders of good character face problems, they rise to the occasion and they're defined by their response. And then he goes on to say, bury a person in the snow of Valley Forge and you have George Washington. 
Raise him up in abject poverty and you have Abraham Lincoln. Strike him down with paralysis and he becomes Franklin Roosevelt. Bury him, uh, burn him so severely that the doctors say he'll never walk again and you have Glenn Cunningham who set the world record for running a mile. Oppress him in a society filled with racial discrimination and they will become Brooker Washington, Marian Anderson, George Carver and Martin Luther King Jr. Call him retarded and write him off as uneducatable and you have Albert Einstein. Problems don't have to break us. They can make us instead. Jensen Franklin said this, trying times are not the times to stop trying. And you know, Jesus instructed us what to do. Actually, in Luke 21, he was describing the end times, possibly the times that we're in now. He's describing a time, Jesus, our Lord Jesus, describing a time in the world, in our existence, that is very, very much like the day we're in now. And he's describing hardships and challenges and persecution and, and all sorts of things. And he tells us what to do. Luke 21, 28 when these things take place, sit down. Wuss out. Pass out. Complain. No, no. When these things happen, because they will, stand up, lift your heads, because the day of your redemption is near. Henry Nguyen says this, you have to dare to stand straight in your struggles. The temptation is to complain, to beg, to be overwhelmed and listen, to find your satisfaction in the pity that you evoke. How gross. But you already know that this is not gaining for you what your heart most desires. As long as you remain standing, you can speak freely to others, reach out to them and receive from them. Jesus' followers stand strong in the day of adversity. And when things get hard, the church stands firm when everyone else would buckle. The Lord is building a son, a daughter, who can stand even stronger when bad things happen. I am a self-leading, self-feeding follower of Jesus. I am diligent and I'm a fruitful steward of every aspect of my life. I encourage myself in the Lord. I always choose the rise up response. I'm willing to stand alone. I don't allow myself to run dry because I steward my own life. It's no one else's responsibility. I have stamina. I don't allow the enemy to stop me. I won't shy away from leadership or influence. I can be counted on to do whatever the occasion demands. I am solution-oriented and I take responsibility. Sometimes I even take responsibility for things that were not my fault. I shift atmospheres towards the higher kingdom standard. I don't faint, but I stand firm. I'm not afraid of man, persecution, popular opinion, rejection, criticism, recourse. I live for the standard of heaven, no matter the cost. How? I'm glad you asked. How on earth do we do this? 
Well, in verse 41, Elijah says to Ahab, go and get something to eat and drink because the rain's coming. So Ahab went to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed to the top of Mount Carmel and bowed low to the ground and prayed. While some feast, others pray. And I want to tell you that's the distinguishing factor between the two groups of people. As a young woman finding my way in my walk with Jesus, knowing, sensing, having received prophetic words at this a call on my life, I started observing mighty men and women around me who inspired me, and I started to notice there was a pattern. There was a pattern in their lives. One, one walked a bare path of prayer through the lawn in his backyard. Another committed an hour to prayer every morning at 5 a.m. Another sat in solitude for two hours every morning in the word and prayer. Another devoted an entire 12-hour period every week to complete isolation and prayer. Every week. And I started to realize this is the reason that these men and women are so mighty. And recently I was asked by a beautiful young adult, do you think it's your discipline in the Word every morning that has preserved you from bitterness? (laughs) Oh my goodness. I think it's my time with the Lord every morning that has preserved me from every evil thing. You cannot spend an hour with the Lord every morning and be flaky. It's impossible. You spend an hour with the Lord every morning, you'll be able to stand. I promise you, no matter what happens, you can't be flaky when you're with the Lord. You can't because He infuses you with strength. It's not me. Yes, I'm Polish. Okay, all right. But there are a lot of... Don't laugh that loud, Mr. Estonian. There are a lot of Polish women who are as flaky as all get out. It's the deciding factor between the two. In order to stand, you first have to kneel. Stand strong. Number two. Run fast. Do you know there are two realms? There are two realms that you and I get to function in. And one is the realm of the flesh, the natural, the seat you're sitting on, the person you can touch and have a conversation with, the medical report, (laughs) the challenge, the natural realm. But the spiritual advantage we have is that we can tap into the heavenly realm, the spiritual realm. And so we can run with horses or men. But if running with men makes us tired, we'll never be able to run with horses. And the Lord wants us, like Elijah, to outrun horses. He wants us to be that person who can stand and outrun horses. And the first thing is, we have to lose the fear of man. We're in a day where every church is afraid of being in the media. Hasn't City Point done a great job of staying in the media? We have to lose the fear of man. Elijah 
all he cared about was delivering the word of the Lord. He cared little for his reputation, for his own life. And he brought about the miraculous because he had no fear of men. If running with men makes you tired, you'll never run with horses. First thing we need to do is address our fear of man. But you know, it says there that he girded up, that he tucked his cloak into his belt. In the New King James Version, verse 46 said, And the Lord, hand of the Lord came upon Elijah, and he girded up his loins and ran ahead of Ahab. He girded up his loins. I wish I had time. Sometimes I think I need to preach for three hours, but none of you would come to church. So think about Ephesians where it talks about the armor of the Lord, the belt of truth that holds us together. It girds our loins. And what is, these are all layers that interact. There's nothing in Scripture that is disconnected from the rest of Scripture. He girds up his loins. He tucks his cloak into his belt. What is the belt? The belt of truth. We need to stand on truth. What are our loins? Our loins is our thinking. Our loins is, are our soul. It's the things that we wrestle against. Your battle is not with man. It's not with circumstance. It's in the spirit realm. It's in the soul realm. And the first thing you need to master is your soul. You need to gird up your loins, your mind, will, emotions. I want to show you a photo of my cute man this week running at cross country. Champion little guy. So proud, so proud. And, um, but he said to me, Mum, I'm going to win. I was like, okay, okay, great. We'll go for that. And, um, and I've got a plan, all right? I'm going to start slow. I'm going to outrun everyone because everyone's going to run really fast and then lose steam and I'm just going to run past them. And he's wearing his dolphin's cap. Go the dolphins. Poor dolphins. Aww. It's all right, next time. And he said, I'm going to turn my hat backwards. I was like, oh, okay. Do you know why? Because everyone's hat flies off when they're running. But if I turn it backwards, it'll be aerodynamic. I'm like, go you. He had a plan. And when the, you know, the buzzer went and they're running, Jesse was literally like one of the last ones. I'm like, I know what he's doing. And he comes running across the finish line. He bursts into tears. And I was like, oh my goodness, he's probably crying because he didn't win. He came 10th. So he made the top 10. Why are you crying? Is it because you didn't win? No, I can't breathe. You've got to have a plan. Come, come with me, church. Come with me. We're talking about girding up our loins. We're talking about the battle of the mind. We're talking about tucking the cloak in, which is what Elijah did. What this all symbolizes is that when we're set to run, there are going to be things that we need to identify that could potentially trip us up. And we need to gird them. We need to gird them. We need to stabilize them. We need to secure them. Otherwise, they will trip us up. You might need to put your cap on backwards for some aerodynamics. You definitely need to, to gird up those things that are going to trip you up. Your thought patterns. Your thought patterns need to be tucked into the belt of truth. I remember one day last year, and, and I've told this story. You might have heard this. I was definitely on a downward spiral. 
And anyone who knows, for the first time in my life, understood how people literally lose it. The point of no return. I could almost see it. And I remember I was standing in my bedroom in front of my dresser and the Spirit of the Lord said to me, pull out a journal and start writing down every positive, God-honoring, Scripture-based thought that comes to mind. And over the next three days, wherever I was in the house, if I had a God-honoring thought, I would go upstairs and write it in my journal. And within a couple of days, I was spiraling upwards again, girding up my mind. Let's put that photo of Jesse back up. Um, I'm not a runner. Maybe one day I'll be like Josh and go from zero to hero and do triathlons and Ironman things. That would be awesome. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not a runner, but I do have a plan in life. And I am ruthless with my own thinking. I'm ruthless with my own behaviours. Do you think I want every morning to be upbeat and positive and full of faith? No, I'm not superhuman. We're all the same, but we need to have, we need to be real with the Lord. And when He says, gird up your mind, we gird up our mind. We have a choice. Deuteronomy 33, 25 says, as your days are, so shall your strength be. This is a promise. This is a promise from the Lord that says, no matter what your day faces, I will give you the strength you need for it. As your days are, so shall your strength be. And you can believe that the Lord will not give you more than you can handle. 1 Corinthians 10, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to all people. But God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with that temptation, He will make a way of escape that you will be able to bear it. Sometimes I say to God, I actually think you think I'm stronger than I really am. But He knows and He gives me every bit of strength that I need for every circumstance. I just need to tap into that. I just need to receive that. 2 Corinthians 12. Paul is wrestling with a weakness, with a challenge. And the Lord says to him, My grace is all you need. My power works best when. Can you read that again? When is God at best? When you suck. When you are a complete hot mess. That's when He's at His best. When you are the most human and the most broken and the least strong is when He is the strongest. My power works best in your weakness. So Paul's response, well, now I'm glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ might work through me. And that's why I take pleasure in my weakness and in insults and in hardships and persecutions and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, He is strong. Praise the Lord. Carolina, I don't know how you do it. I don't. <laughs> he does. I run to Him. He's the only place I know where to go. The only pilgrimage I know how to take. And my heart instinctively now, it wasn't always like this. It's amazing how hardships force you one way or the other. 
and I just go there again and again and again, about eight months into my journey. I started actually to get really annoyed with the pity that people were showing me. And I started to get really annoyed that people were like, you're amazing. I thought it shouldn't be unusual for a Jesus follower, for someone who's connected to the vine, to be strong. Why is that unusual to people? If I didn't know Jesus, yeah, that's pretty awesome. But it actually should be the norm. Yes, we're human. Yes, we go through hard things. But if I'm connected to the vine, it shouldn't be unusual that I can get up every day, make a difference in someone's life, have faith. It shouldn't be unusual. It should be the norm. A.W. Tozer, my all-time favorite. A scared world needs a fearless church. Aren't we in a scared world right now? Doesn't the world need a fearless church? And it's in you. It's in you. You know, horses are strong. Horses are unafraid. And the Lord desires that you would match that. Job 39, right at the end of the book. 39 verse 19. Job, have you given the horse its strength or clothed its neck with a flowing mane? Did you give it the ability to leap and its majestic snorting that's so terrifying it pours the earth and rejoices in its strength when it charges out to battle oh my goodness I so desire to see a church that charges into the face of a battle how cool how cool the arrow rattles against it no no Verse 22 is the best verse. It laughs at fear and is unafraid. It does not run and turn from the sword. The arrow rattles against it, the spear and the javelin flash. It pours the ground fiercely and rushes into the battle when the ram's horn blows. Why don't you stand to your feet this morning? Thank you for listening. We pray that this message inspires you to unmistakably influence your world for good and for God. Go ahead and share it with a friend. And can I invite you to connect with us on one of our many social media platforms as well. Most importantly, if you made a decision to follow Jesus, I want to say congratulations. This is the beginning of a life-changing journey. We'd love to see you at one of our many City Point Church services around the world this Sunday. And you can find out more about our service times and locations at citypointchurch.com. We would be so thrilled to see you there.